Welcome to day four of the I Am Talk 2011 Kona Super Specials. Welcome to day number four. Is it four? Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's day four. Day four of the Kona Iron Talk Super 2011 John Super Special. Specials. We've got a lot of background noise today, guys, because we're actually doing the um, the intro and the outro, and we're in the media convention room right now. So you'll hear a lot of background noise as we're talking along, and we're trying to be. I'm trying to be a little bit quieter, John. Oh yeah, which is unlike me. I know we're staying nice and close to the mics. So. Nice and close to the mics, and we're staring in the room. What do you think is happening in the room right now? What do you think people are talking about, John? Uh, it really looks like they're doing their sort of last post. It doesn't actually look like there's much work being done. No, All these guys are supposed to be working. Oh no, I'm sure they're talking triathlon, John. I'm sure they're talking triathlon. No, no, that's all we're we're talking not, about not typing away on their keypads like they should be. No, it's so not. I get the whip out. Maybe you should. Maybe you should. Okay, I am talk Kona Super Specials 2011 uh, proudly brought to you by Endurance Sport Travel. Again, just John and I have been a bit more conservative on the breakfast now, aren't we? Yes, we have. We're pacing ourselves through the day. Oh, those meat patties were pretty good this morning. Right. Yeah, I like those meat I'm, patties. I'm going bacon every day. Streaky bacon. Streaky bacon. Who else have we got there, John? We've got Audio Technica. Audio Technica is providing a great sound that you're hearing throughout the last four or five days, and so. Uh, you know, obviously we've stepped the sound quality up and it's all thanks to Audio Technica, so check, check, check out Audio Technica and the link will be on our website, www.imtalk.me. Lava Java. I can't remember if I talked about um, the wonderful piece of chicken I had last night. It was a brie and brie and spinach um, filled piece of chicken on a on a mushroom risotto. It was delicious. And, and I had the pizza, and to be honest, don't go large pizza. You don't need it. Yeah. I had to help him out. I had to help <laughs> yeah, the man yeah, out. Yeah, he fed the bats. Tag me in. And then, uh, so we've got Lava Java. Who else we got there? And we've got O2, O2 Creations. Creations. Yes, and again, which one was actually maybe next time we come back, we're getting printed off quite a few t shirts because we've got so many people asking us for the t shirts. So, mm. um, and Albert's wearing his one around. We've got Albert one, and uh, he's looking pretty cool. We look like a bit of a team, don't we? Mm. Team I Am Talk. That's right. It's rocking and rolling. And then we've got our regular sponsors Coffee. Of Hawaii.com. Um, it's just been awesome being out in the boat, eh? Mm, always is. Yeah, Everybody appreciates it. It's, a, it's basically a Kona institution now. It really is, isn't it? it really you're, is. you're, you're committed for life, really. Yeah, it you? does. It gives people a chance to get out in the swim, and they've got a, it's a bit of fun. For the people who maybe aren't racing, um, it gives them something to do. You know, well, it was interesting this morning. This morning when we woke up, it was pouring with rain. Yeah. Like, it was really, really horrible weather. And um, Albert was saying that normally Friday is one of the busier mornings, but it wasn't because of the rain. By the time we got out to the boat, it was calmed down. But it was, it was interesting seeing the people out this morning because it was mainly more support crew, wasn't it? Mm, it was, yeah. Yeah. And, and the distance isn't too far out, so it's kind of nice that people can do that. Mm. So who else we got? Uh, Athlinks.com And again Athlinks is the best place for you to put your social network Based on being an athlete And so you go there, check it out, put your results It tracks your races And it's just a really good place to store all your information around your sporting career And Extreme Endurance And X-Endurance is a lactic buffer that helps you remove the muscle painness Which will help you big time when you're actually out there training And make you a better athlete So John, what's been happening over the last kind of 24 hours? Well, we had a bit of a night off last night. It's the first chance I've had to actually turn the TV on and just sit back and relax for about <laughs> half an could. hour. I had a little bit of work to do because I kind of had a few technical problems and I went for a run and then kind of got some work done as John was watching TV. And I looked over and he had his nana nap eyes on. Yeah. You we crashed, went off didn't to you? bed pretty early. Yeah, you had a better night. night's sleep last night. It was a little bit unfortunate last night. It started pouring with rain and we didn't end up going to. We ended up to Love Java for dinner instead of going to the. Um, 
Cabo party, but apparently they had to call it a bit short, which is a bit disappointing because it was, it was decent. When we ran back to the car after dinner, yeah, we it was got pouring. Yeah, so uh, for those people who come along, and, and obviously it's part of the experience of this week, and it's a bit sad that they happened um, last night. But hopefully, because a few years ago it happened at the award ceremony, yeah, didn't that it? Would be devastating. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that's you know all that's unfortunate. Hopefully it's the last of the rain we'll see in the next few days. Mm. And it rained all through the night, which is yeah, it was pouring. Uh, and then this eh? morning it was it was bucketing. Down. It was Forest Gump rain. It was. Yeah, it was sideways rain. So yeah, a lot of people probably delayed their swims this morning, and the water was certainly um, when we went out for a swim was certainly a bit cooler as well. And so then, um, and then today we've just we've had an interview with Bob Babbitt, and just I really enjoyed the interview with him. He's great value. He really is. Yeah. I, it's interesting is that it's interesting when you spend a time with the man. Like it, it was a pity we turn off the mics when we do because we once we put it off the mic, he started telling us some more um, challenge athlete stories. Mm. And and to be honest, he did some good stories. Eh? Yeah, he's given us a DVD to go and watch about yeah, a young fella um, from not from Nigeria, from uh, what country was he from? He was from Peru or something? Uh, no. Ghana, it was Ghana. Ghana. Just an amazing story where they helped him out and just the help that they gave him by getting some uh, some limbs. Basically, uh, made the government change their policy on, yeah, on how to treat... The, meet the President of America and yeah. the... Yeah. Chi- what I loved about Bob is, because I really look at Bob and I think he's a bit of an inspiration to us all because... I always think that people in power and chance of influence, you know, what do you, when you become someone of influence, what do you do with that influence? And you look at him, and he's obviously understood that he has influence, and he's built a successful business around that, and I'm sure financially he's done well out of it, but everything he's like once we turn off all we want to talk about was the things that, that the mm-hmm. athletes, the challenge athletes Not say. The pro athletes. Yeah, no, he really that. comes from a place of caring to make people go better and he's talking about how he wants to get people involved in sport and so I, you know, I, from that time I got a lot of respect for the guy and so whilst we I put my hand up as well you know I'm often critical of the, the NBC coverage you know that does make a difference for the, the greater society greater you know, yeah, totally. society and, and these days the great thing is we've got the Ironman live coverage so we can get our fix there in terms of the, um, the high core profile I still think they should perhaps produce two um, two copies of the of, of the Hawaii Ironman you know have the sports show and have the documentary show mm. and then you'll, you'll please everybody yeah, maybe they could do a bit of a wrap up show as an internet show mm. which mm. probably is pretty easy to do and then um, we went along and we caught up with a few kind of businesses we caught up with the guys from Training Peaks yep. which was pretty cool who else did we talk to and if we talk to any of us down there, oh, we had the race, mate. Oh yeah, yeah. But people will hear about that later. Well, okay, we'll okay, we tell them what happened in the yeah, race. We had the the, the wetsuit aquathon, and we actually did some commentary around times. that. So it was, it was a pretty good times. And then we saw a few listeners out and about, and we've kind of just been doing some quick interviews. And I, yeah, I've dropped the ball a little bit today because I, I let the team down a little bit with the aquathon planning. We um, we had some technical issues. What do you where, mean? Well, we, we couldn't run down the main street. Oh, well, that's not your fault. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, they started well, setting up. Now today in town. It's, it's, you it's know, definitely day before race day and, and streets are being closed off. They're putting off the big finish line. And, and so we kind of turned up to, <laughs> to do the aquathon and they were, oh, it all changed a little bit, didn't it? So then we'll, but you're we'll a good race planner. You're a quick change. Yes, we improvised and uh, we still made it happen. We still went to Lava Java and ra- there and back. Uh, and then also let the ball down a bit. We were going to have Bree Wee on today, but I didn't confirm and she got the kids and so that was, that was my fault. But it turned out we have still got plenty of content in there for you Yeah, today. well, you know what, over the last few days I think we've got too much content for people yeah. anyway. So I'm sure you don't mind if we have a show that's closer to under two hours and then over. What we're going to do right now is we've got a few clips from um, a few listeners on the show as well, so a little bit of kind of what we've been doing over the last few days, a couple of interviews, and then a few clips here or there, and then at the end of the show, John and I are going to give our race picks for what we, we, we think are going to be happening on race day, and John's already pulled up Thorsten's um, little PDF to see his picks, haven't you, John? Yes. 
you, you just went somewhere else there, didn't you? Daydreaming. Yeah, I was getting in the zone. Getting in the zone. Okay, so we check out our picks at the end of the show, guys. We'll see you guys at the end of the show, but you'll probably hold on, hold on, hold on, hold um, on. Just my computer's sitting next to me. Peter McLeod has just sent me a Skype message saying, you guys are having too much fun. There's no f- it is fun over here. It but, is fun, uh, but it's a lot of hard work, Pete McLeod. Yes, and what, but he said, put me down for the June camp next year. I'm there. So if anybody's listening to this, I am putting a camp over here on next year around the Honu, around the 70.3 race, which is on the 2nd of June. It's going to be a week-long camp and it's going to be good times. So good if you times. want to find out more about that, I should have the information in the next couple of weeks, but it's basically the week before June 2nd. We finish with the Honu 70.3, and uh, we get, you'll get to see all the Kona course, meet some cool people. Um, I'll have information out on that next week. I'll post it on our Facebook page, uh, and we'll talk about it more on, on I Am Talk when we get back home as well. It's going to be good times. We'll see you there, Peter. Peter, and, you uh, couldn't have timed that Skype message, Peter. Yes. <laughs> Just remind me to do some advertising. Love right. your work. Okay, here's, here's our interview. We'll probably put some more stuff on first, maybe put the race on first and then we'll bop by that. So here we go. The race director needs to be fired for the aquathon. The, race, the poor, poor planning. Poor planning, alright. Jeez, did they do their peas? Uh, we've got uh, the finish line's been put up and it's uh, it's all been sort of barricaded off. So we're going to the aquathon is going to turn into a bit of a farce. We, we go, yeah, like, but we're still doing it. We, so how, what are we doing now? Well, we're going to have to cross the road and go. How about, we do, how about we do the fastest way you can get there? But yeah, that'll it's be up it. to you. So there's no there's no route. It's just we're getting the So we we're basically going to swim in from the from the boat. So it's about 250 meters. Bevan thinks he needs about a five minute head start. He's going to get. It's more than 250 meters, isn't it, Albert? No. It's, no. <laughs> he reckons 500 yards. Yeah, Albert, you're not going to be a bloody race director. He yeah. thinks it's 500 yards. <laughs> 500 yards, which I say 500 meters. No. So, so Bevan's going to get about a 30 second head start. Then it's going to be fastest uh, through the carnage. And I think we should have a uh, an honours system here, Bevan. If you bump anybody, you've got to take a 10 second sta- 5 second stand down. So you've got to, what do you mean? If you bump somebody, you just swim into we, someone? No, no, in, on the run. So you can't be a rude sort of dropping the shoulder in. You've got to, oh, you've got I'm, to I'm a polite through. guy, mate. I would never do that. My <laughs> okay, mum taught good. me well. Okay, uh, and then we've got to get through the carnage and then we've got to get to Lava Java <laughs> and that's about a K. The turnaround is going to be, there's a little um, sign outside Lava Java with a little person walking sign. Yeah, you've actually gone further than Lava Java, I wasn't happy about that. Okay, and then turn and back and we will finish at the big tree by uh, the King, K- King Cam Hotel. So you're going to touch the tree, we'll say. Yeah, touch the tree. I think you're going to dominate me, to be honest. I can't see it happening. I mean, I'm going to give, no, give you 30 I think 30 seconds, I actually think I probably need a minute and a half, but Albert's nodding his head. You, I think you're being well yeah, overestimating my swimming by country mile. You've got to remember, last time I swam was Challenge Rote two and a half years ago. We'll give you 45 seconds. <laughs> give you 45, and that's all you're getting. You know, I'm going to get out of the water, you'll be gone, and I say, oh, well, I have a light jog. So there we go. 45 seconds is, is, is the deal. And how about we do this? We wait for each of each other at the end of the swim. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Why not? Because it just completely eliminates this point of the swim. Well, who cares about swimming, no, to be honest? No, no. So it's all about the run, really, isn't it? So we haven't got any other challenges out here. Guy's out here, but I'm sure he hasn't got his running shoes. Uh, so we have not got any he, he other challenges. He talked a game, didn't he? He talked a big uh, game. He's weak. He's, he's weak in the mind, he is. But the excitement's building. Finish line's going up. And not yeah. so it was bucketing down with rain this morning, so it was a bit of a slow start. And what's, uh, it been, what's it been like out here today for you, Albert? Has it been quieter today? It's been much more mellow, I'd say. The rain... Uh, Definitely kept people away, but it looks like it's turning into a nice day. We can see some squall lines off the coast, but I think those are beyond us now. So 
Wait for the sun to peak out in a little bit. It should be a beautiful day. Is this normally the quietest day of the bunch? Well, I'd say normally it's it's more busy on Friday. Oh, really? But uh, but you can tell it looks like some friends and family that have flew in last night are swimming out and enjoying themselves. So yeah. uh, I'd say the the seas are definitely calmer today than yesterday as well. So I it, it would look to me like race day uh, conditions should be good. No big breakers like we saw the last couple of days. Yeah, I haven't actually done my piece on this. Do you know the um, weather forecast for tomorrow? I don't. Um, never really pay attention to it because all you do is stress out about it. So it'll be what it'll be. But it would appear, I mean, that the that the that the ocean should the conditions should be good here. So that'll be nice. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so we have half hours before we start this challenge. We have oh, 15 seconds. Oh, okay. <laughs> time we, time, to, time to suit up. Have you got the vest? Yes. Can I borrow some? No. Oh, thanks. Great. Feeling the love. Oh, well, I'll see you at the end. Okay, guys. Well. Currently, John and I, and we have Guy and Albert around us as well, and uh, it's we are. Hot out here. It, it's getting hot in here, and the reason it's getting hot in here is why, Guy? Uh, because you're both wearing wetsuits. In madness. And the sun just suddenly comes out too, just yeah. to kind of help us a little bit. Yeah. And it's. Uh, I'm feeling pretty hot. You feeling hot already? I'm not feeling hot right now. I'm bringing it back to the old school. What am I wearing? You're wearing the energy from like 2007, 2008, I think. Yeah. Yeah. This... Blue 70 sponsored me with the cheapest one they could get. <laughs> we, we custom made this. Cheap, cheaper than the cheapest. <laughs> cheaper than the cheapest. One year range. So, bugger, that's too bad. So, what's the strategy, John? The strategy is, uh, I'm not telling you my strategy, but no, the strategy is you've got to, it's, you know, we've got to, no bumping as, you, as you're going through, uh, and you've got to be polite to everybody, and you've got to wear your IM, you got your, your bike jersey out there? Oh, no. Oh. Even disappointing. Well, you didn't tell me to do that this morning. Every morning you say to me, oh. oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I've got a pen. I can probably write that on your chest. Yeah, we'll actually, we'll yeah, we can make that work. Yep. Yeah, let's have enough of this chit chat because we need to get going because I'm yeah, getting rather getting hot. Pretty warm. Okay, so we're going to be off. We'll, we'll give you the report after the race. Post race production. Here we go. Okay, John, well, we've just come in from the tra- transition. No, what is it? It's, uh, so the Blue 70 sponsored uh, wetsuit actathon challenge, the inaugural, first ever. Yes, and this time in five years from now, John, I think we'll probably have a thousand competitors like the Undy Run. We should, but as, as we've probably com- not Friday. No, as we commented earlier, we're going to have to make it an earlier week. Uh, Thursday's underpants run, we might have to make it Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. So, John, tell me about your race. Well, we gave Bevan the 45 seconds, Albert was officiating, it was all legit. I think that was a pretty fair amount. We came out of the water at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Like in Kona, they have um, about five or six six um, boys sort of maybe going about 100 metres off the, um, the swim exit to keep you away from the boats. When I came around there, I could cut there, I kind of see you and I knew I was going to basically come out with you at about the same time. Then I had a full-on head-on collision with someone. Oh, really? Did you yeah. do five-second stand-down? No, I, I didn't, actually. Um, and then we came out of the swim together and I thought, I've got them because I've got my racing plates. So I, I think he knew that, but I had the elastic laces as well. So I thought, he's toast. No, so, see, I'd done my shoelaces up partly... And just keep them away. So I mean they were a little bit loose, but it was the price I was willing to pay. And we weren't side by side. I didn't really know where Bevan's transition area was. So I was actually quite neat and tidy. I put my little bike shoes in there. I put my goggles. I, missed, I dropped my goggles. I put them back in my pile because I didn't want to lose them. And, uh, and then I set off and I thought, Bevan's got to be behind me because uh, he's going to be doing his laces and pissing around. And so I didn't actually go that hard the first 500. And then somebody said, right, he's up front of you. You can get him. And I went, holy crap. And so then I dropped the hammer and... Uh, too little, too late. Yeah, you, you, you left to run a little bit late. I, I came out of the water and I'd already pre-done my shoelaces. It meant they weren't going to be that tight, but I, I knew I couldn't afford to do them up because I knew you'd have your little strappy things on. So then I pretty much just got my shoes on. I was out of there pretty quickly. And so I don't know where you were. I thought you may be close behind. I kept looking, but I don't know where you were. Until I was, you I was, well, from the turnaround, I was definitely I was gaining quite quickly, but yep. it, was, it was too much, too too much. Yeah, I kind of knew I got it, so I kind of <laughs> grazed up. We were going at a pretty good pace. I mean, I was not mucking around there. I was... Yeah. 
was, uh, it's was actually, pretty firm. It's actually not as like heat wise, like it's hot, 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 and but it was quite good because the distance was enough where you're not the sun to explode. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think maybe it'll be slightly different if the sea was a bit cooler this morning because of all the rain, yep. and uh, and it is only eight o'clock in the morning. If we did it at midday, it might be slightly oh, different story. So we different might story. have to improvise. Yeah, we'll change change the time maybe. But I think the course is good. The course good, is perfect. Good distance, fair distance, and. Uh, so do I get a trophy? Uh, Maybe we should buy a trophy in the store here. Yes. And we'll buy an annual trophy. And, and then... But it's always going to have to be a handicap event. Yeah, um, yep. And maybe with the guys that are racing, we'll give them a bigger handicap because we don't want you nuking it on a Tuesday. Yeah. We ran pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and we'll have to come up with some sort of... We'll get, hey, I've got it. What? Torsten's going to come up with some ratio for us. <laughs> Based on your Ironman time. Based on your Ironman time. Swim. Um, swim and maybe run. And uh, and the guys that are doing Ironman have got to get an extra, a much bigger added bonus. Like a 10% bonus or something like that. Well, pretty significant. We don't want them running hard. Hey, we don't want to win, mate. Yeah. It's, it's about us winning here. So, Bevan is the inaugural Aquathon, Wetsuit Aquathon coach. Do you, you know the thing is, mate, I don't actually think you need to do the Ironman if you do the Aquathon Challenge because the people were cheering for they us. Were, they were some great supporters. It's like you're running down Leahy Drive, you know, yeah. for the competition. I'm not doing Ironman this weekend, I don't need to now. But the challenge was, we, we did stuff up. It would have been perfect if we hadn't had the finish line area because then we could have got straight into our work. Which way did you go out? Did you go out down there as well? The left, I was jumping walls and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, so it wasn't ideal, but if we did it on Wednesday, we had a clean run out and it was good. But we did have a bit of road closure down there. There was no cars for, for a section, so it was yeah. full noise yeah. down the middle of the road. It was all good. Did uh, does that mean I'm the official champion winner of the whole challenges of this? Well, event? you've forfe- forfeited. You've kind of what did I forfeit? Well, you, you kind of reneged on the, uh, the the transition challenge. You kind of said I'm going to crush you on that, so I'm happy to do the transition challenge. And what, what I think else you will crush me on that, to be honest. Yeah. What else are we going to do? We're going to do a one k in a slowest race. I'm, I'm happy to give you the trophy this year. Okay, I'll take it. Well, we're going to go buy a trophy and we'll put a photo of that on uh, on Facebook. And uh, so that is the first ever inaugural. Wetsuit Kona Wetsuit Aquathon Challenge Sponsored by Pretty simple We'll get my board properly next year We'll get my board properly We'll get a wetsuit for the winner They'll, they'll do that okay. And maybe I'll get a bit of my energy Yes <laughs> Deal Okay guys See you soon Oh god And Where we go Well we've got a legend of the sport here John Bob Babbitt Bob Babbitt Mr Bob Babbitt Mr. Are you? <laughs> Welcome to the show. You're, you're, you're our, our, what we aspire to. <laughs> Listen to you guys. Thanks, boys. I really appreciate it. Kona Week, is there anything better than that? It's, well, it's really good to be here, isn't it? It is. But I suppose the thing is, how long have you been doing Kona Week for? You've been from the start, really, haven't you? Yeah, first Kona was 81. My first Ironman was 1980. So came over here from the very first Kona when they came over here. And you, now, you know, you're recognized as one of the voices of the sport. You do competitive radio. You competitor group I mean did, did that sort of just fall, fall into place or were you already into the, the media sort of side of things when you started triathlon you know I was a school teacher I was right. a school teacher and oh, really? I was in San Diego and uh, I did Ironman in 1980 mm. and when I did that race I had no idea I could finish the race I thought it was one of those things that you did in two days <laughs> so I had a, a bike with panniers and tent and sleeping bag and really? I thought that you <laughs> rode you swam 2.4 rode 56 camped out and rode back the next day and then the marathon <laughs> which made a hell of a lot of sense to me so the bike i bought was a it was a 75 dollar bike i got at a police auction it had been in a fire so the whole back end was burned nice and uh, had a fuzzy uh, fuzzy raccoon seat cover put the radio shack radio on the front and it had flat proof tires because i couldn't change a tire so it was really one of those things when i ended up finishing that race when, when you had your own support crew back then you didn't there was no such thing as eight stations, only yeah. 108 of us. The year before, there was only 15. Wow. So the, the thing boomed after the article in Sports Illustrated in 1979, and that's when Ned Overend, who went on to become world mountain bike champion, we were roommates. 
we had met rock climbing in Baja, mm-hmm. and we read about this thing in Sports Illustrated. And I had done this guy, Tom Warren's, he won in 79 and was a focal point of the article. I had done his tug, swim, run, swim event. Mm-hmm. And so Ned and I were like, well, let's find out about this thing. Maybe we can do it. Mm-hmm. And so we called Tom Warren, and he was like, oh, yeah, Babbitt, no, come down to my, my office, and we'll talk about this Iron Man thing. Mm-hmm. So we, he tells me where this, his quote-unquote office is. And we get down, and we're, he had given us directions to a place that was like where there was no buildings. It was a parking lot, and it was a motorhome. And the motorhome had paddle boards on top, a bike on the back, and, and running shoes tied around the side view mirror. And I look inside this motorhome, and it's like, Babbitt, welcome to my office. <laughs> what? So this, this guy, who was the guy who won the 79 Ironman, what he would do on a daily basis, he'd drive down there, and there was a phone, a pay phone, behind him. And he would have rolls of dimes and he'd make business calls in between running biking swimming running biking paddle boarding that was his lifestyle that's what he did so this Ironman thing was like I'm doing this anyways what the heck I'll go and do it so when we went we went to uh, after talking for a little bit went to this bar across the street now remember this is our mentor this is a guy who's teaching us about the Ironman and what it is and we're in this bar and as we're drinking Every beer we have, he's got a magic marker with him, and he's making a mark on his arm. And we're like, you know, Mr. Warren, sir, the, the god of all things triathlon, can you explain why you're using a magic marker on your arm? He goes, well, I have a little bit of a drinking problem, so I make a mark on my arm, and when I get to my sleeve, I go home. <laughs> he could have been a Kiwi. Exactly. So that was our introduction to the sport of triathlon. And then we went to his house, and he had his bike bicycle in a sauna yeah. and he rode for five hours at a time on the sauna really? in the sauna on his bike to acclimatize yeah. to Hawaii well again we were rock climbers so we had we went out to ride our bikes Ned bought a bike at the same police auction and we had rock climbing helmets that have no holes in them mm. for ventilation and we rode 20 miles and thought we were going to die our heads mm. were going to blow up we're like nobody can 112 miles mm. there's no way and especially, you know, thinking about, I was, we were both still thinking it was going to be two days. I had no mm-hmm. idea. So then when, I, when we went over and actually did the race and had my crew and had my Hawaiian sweetbread and Gatorade and they had, I don't know if you guys, they had rules back then. If you lost 5% of your body weight, they pulled you out of the race. And, and they weighed you during the race. We got off the bike. I was seeing Melina with photos. In there, yeah. That was for quite a period of time too, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 First few years, you had to get off the bike. Here, there was at Hapuna and at uh, Javi. Mm-hmm. And then when you got back to town. So, but this in 1980, it was in uh, Oahu, and so they're they're weighing you throughout the race. And uh, first of all, 25 miles into the bike ride, and I was like ecstatic to be on the bike and tuning in my radio. <laughs> and here's my crew on the side of the road. I'm like, this is so cool. And they get ready for this Tour de France handoff. They're gonna hand me food at mile 25 of the ride. There's a Big Mac fries and a Coke. Yeah, <laughs> so it was perfect. Nice. My lady, I got a root beer snow cone. <laughs> and then at the end of the bike, I come in and I hear this music, and I'm like, what is going on? And there's a boom box and a bamboo mat. And they said, how about a massage? I think I had like an hour and a half transition. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> nice. So we get off the bike and start running and then come to this way station. Meanwhile, I'm eating Hawaiian sweetbread and Gatorade. And so I get to the second way station. And I could hear the guy on the mic on the uh, headset. He's like, hey, can you give me that again? Oh, he, he's gained four pounds. <laughs> gain weight. <laughs> so no. then we're running up Diamond Head towards the end of this thing. I've got 
them behind me in their little Fiat convertible. Your crew just followed you everywhere. Yeah. And we're coming down Diamond Head, and I'm thinking, you know, I thought it was going to take two days to do this. Yeah. And I'm sure the finish band, there's going to be dancers. Be, I'm finishing this thing in yeah. one day. I can't yeah. believe it. And I'm coming down towards the finish, and there's like a chalk line on the road and a light bulb hanging over the road. And I sort of slow down, and I hear this voice out in the darkness like, hey, you. Like, yeah. You in the race? Yeah. You're done. Nice. That was it. It was like yeah. one guy doing one-arm push-ups in the grass. Yeah. That was the finish line. A little yeah. different than what we yeah, have slightly, now. Slightly different. Yeah. But, but, but that led what that led to was a feeling, I had this feeling after that, that I could do anything. I had yeah. this business card in my pocket. If I could do this event with a bike with flat-proof tires, with a radio on the front, with a fuzzy raccoon seat cover, and not have a clue and get through this, that there wasn't going to be anything in business or life that was going to get in my way. And over the when I got back, this guy Mike Plant, uh, who was uh, the publisher of what at the time was called San Diego Track Club News, and he converted it to Running News. I came back and I'm like, dude, this sport of triathlon, this thing has changed my life. This is special. Mm. And so he ended up changing the name of it to Running and Triathlon News. And in '84, I left teaching and started working for him. And I became LA editor for Running and Triathlon News and covering the Ironman and, and you know, not making much money. But in 86, the magazine was sold and to a guy who supposedly had a lot of money. I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is great. I'm on easy street now. Yeah. Well, the guy was a total scam artist. Oh, really? Bought the magazine, paid nothing down, and collected all the receivables and closed the doors. Oh, so man. this is like 87. And uh, my partner, Lois, who was the art director of my school and then became the photographer with me, were out of a job. And so um, I went to a couple other publications in California and said, hey, if we did a magazine that covered running triathlon and cycling, I think it could be really popular. And they're like, both of them were cycling guys. And they're like, I would never, first of all, triathlon's a fad and will not be here in five years. Yeah. And running, we would never put one of your skinny runner guys on the cover of a magazine. There's no way. So we had nothing. And uh, a couple friends came to us, former, former advertisers in running triathlon news, and said, here's $17,000, go start your own magazine. Really? So six weeks later, the first edition of Competitor came out, and I, I called Nike, had been an advertiser it, for us in uh, running triathlon news, and I called up the agency and this gal who I dealt with and said, listen, I, can't, I don't even have a product to show you. I can't show you a magazine. All I can tell you is... It's going to be called Competitor, and what you saw with running in triathlon news is going to be like that but better. And they said, we're in. We'll take your back cover for the next 24 months. Wow. Yeah. And security. that gave us some, at least it, it made me realize that there was a need. Yeah. And we, I lived on, uh, lived on my friend's floors, and we, our first office was 200 square feet underneath 20,000 pounds of bike racks in a, in a friend's garage. And we grew it from there, and Competitor went from... And just Southern California to Southern California, Northern California, Texas, Florida, you know, what competitor it, Southeast. What was it like? You know, like you start out with this, this idea and you're kind yeah. of, you're, in those early stages, right. you know, who knew you'd be where you are today with what's, what's grown into it? What was it like? Because it's a really scary time as well, isn't it? You've kind of made such a sacrifice. You know, ignorance is bliss. And yeah. I think I've always been a believer over time that if you follow your passion, that you're going to be successful. And, and we've fallen into that trap through the years because there was a point in time where running was, be- I'm sorry, where walking was becoming popular, where it was one of those things where everybody should get out and walk. And a lot of the running brands were making walking shoes. Yeah. And your 
initial thought is, well, they're making walking shoes. That would be good advertisers. And you start sort of compromising and saying, well, we'll cover walking and average people going to Kmart and walking the mall. And I'm like, you know what? That's not who we are. We're, we're, we're adapting for the market rather than being the market. Yeah. We know in our gut, in our heart, that triathlon is special. It changes lives. And running is the same way. And we just have to stay the course. And we can't think about you know, our business plan or our exit strategy. We have to think about today. Yep. And what do we want to do? Hey, there's this awesome new thing called adventure racing. Let's go cover this Raid Galois thing. It sounds cool. I mean, there's no money in that. It's a bunch of idiots wandering <laughs> through the night, you know, <laughs> you know, wandering through the night getting everything that I hate, being cold, wet, hungry, lost. Let's put those together and make <laughs> and a sport. Tired. And yeah. tired. Yeah. Let's make a sport. And then get, add a parasite or two just to yeah. make it more fun. <laughs> so you're, you're looking at this, the, the sports, but you're looking at it from your own eyes and going, this is bitching. Our guys are going to be into this. And if you look at you know, adventure racing led to uh, now our, our Muddy Buddy series that we started 12 years ago and well, 40,000 people do those and two people on a mountain bike and climbing over obstacles and going through mud. It's fun. Yeah. And at the end of the day, people out there on Saturday are going to have a lot of fun. How, how do you try to get the balance right? Because um, it's not just an American problem. It's a worldwide problem with obesity. And, and yes. how do you get the balance right between trying to look after the, the hardcore athletes who want to see the, the hardcore news, yeah. look after the, the guys that are just getting into it. It's a, it's a difficult balance to get. You, you know what? It's funny. For years, when I would hand out competitor at the races, and I, I love doing that. I hand out, personally, about 3,000 magazines a month uh, over the years. Just, I want to get the feedback from people. And, another, and at the beginning, especially, people would say, oh, I'm not a competitor, because they equated that to elite athlete. The yeah. term competitor meant elite athlete. Yeah. I was like, you got up at 5 o'clock this morning, and you came to this event to run a 10K. You're a competitor. You're competing with yourself. So that became my mantra is it's, you know, live for fitness, fitness for life. It was we want the new people. And part of that is being inclusive. I think mm. one, of the, one of the things that's hurt cycling over the years, and I'm not sure how it is in New Zealand, mm. but the cyclists can be snobs. Mm. You show up at a bike ride, and you don't have the right equipment, or they don't think you're, you look like them. Or you show up at a race and possibly can win the water bottle they're trying to win. They're just not accepting of new people. Well, if you look at Tri-Club of San Diego, has 3,000 members. Mm. L.A. has over 2,000 members. Inland Inferno, which is east of, San Diego, each of, east of L.A., we've got five or six incredibly vibrant clubs. And the reason for that is it's being inclusive. When, mm. when you have a, 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 a swim clinic and the guy shows up with his wetsuit on inside out... <laughs> <laughs> you don't make fun of them. Yeah. You're yeah. like, hey, you know what? There's another way to wear that. It's the, that's our lifeblood. And, and one of the things that I've always tried to tell people, people have a tendency, they come into the sport, and they come in after watching Julie Moss crawl, right? Yeah. Or watching Mark and Dave or yeah. Dick and Rick. Yeah. They come in from that bent, and they love the idea of you know, challenging themselves. And they're 30 pounds overweight. Then they go and they do their first race. And the next thing you know, they're going... Why are you covering these people with diseases? And why are you covering people who are pulling their son in a boat? Mm. You know, that's well, I want the race. I'm, mm. I'm an athlete. I'm a race. I said, no, you're not. You're a guy who wore arm floaties as a kid. You're a guy who had a paper route. And you're a guy who played capture the flag. So you could swim, bike, and run. And that's the nice thing about our sport and something maybe people don't like to look at. You don't need any skill. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you need yeah. skill to play rugby or basketball. You have to have size and skill. 
this is an equal opportunity abuser. Mm-hmm. Our sport is something that anybody can do. Mm-hmm. With a, you swim a little bit every day, you get better. Mm-hmm. You ride a little bit every day, you get better. You run a little bit every day, you get better. So it's, it's the sport that needs to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. Everybody is welcome, and I think that's the reason for our growth. As, as, a, as a broadcaster, Bob, I'm really fascinated because one thing I, I always respect about what you do is that you do always seem to you, you always seek to keep your enthusiasm up about the sport. I think you always yeah. you have a deep understanding of how important it is for the newbie. And, and you Absolutely. Because you know, I think if, if people have been in the sport for a long time, they can get cynical. And, no question. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of people around oh, yeah. you in that place. So I'm kind of curious, as, as a broadcaster, what philosophy do you have in the way that you want to portray the content you create? The, the philosophy for, for us? Yeah, for you philosophy? personally. More, oh, you for know, me? Like, you know, what, what do you bring to it, and where do you come from as a broadcaster? Well, oh, as a broadcaster. Yeah. As a broadcaster, I, one of the best compliments I got... Uh, actually, it was this week, um, the, this couple came up from Australia, and they used to live in Colorado, and they came up and said, you know what, what I love about your radio show is that I can turn anybody onto it if they've never done a race, and they will learn something and feel like they're not being talked down to. They'll feel like that it's for them, yeah. even though they've never done an Ironman. Because, you know, when I'm talking to Dave Scott or Mark Allen, you guys are the same way. Mm-hmm. What, 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 do, what do we want to know about them, you mm-hmm. know? Hey, did you, you know, Mark and you guys, you guys were going for the same prize. It wasn't a lot of money, and you guys were going after each other. What was it about him that drove you nuts? You know, that type of stuff. You want to take some people a little bit inside, but also give them a sense that these are average, everyday folks. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing that, that hits me the most when, when you say, when you tell somebody that, you know, just Ronnie Shulkinick the other day, he happened to be in San Diego learning English in 2010 years ago. He'd never done a triathlon. It's 2001. It's 10 years ago. Now he's finished fourth here. And he just... The pros today were age groupers yesterday. And before that, they didn't even know the sport existed. So it's... it's, To me, that's what we always want to remember. The next person you're talking to is our next person is going to be here in Kona. Mm -hmm. And same with my Muddy Buddy. I, I try to... Everything I do from the radio to Muddy Buddy when I'm in a, you know, in a frog outfit. Uh, I'm in a frog outfit, a Muddy Buddy. It's two people on a mountain bike, and you take turns running and riding, and you leapfrog, which is why I'm in a frog outfit. Okay, yes. So if you guys are partnered, you start in a bike go a mile. At a mile, I've got a 25-foot inflatable with a cargo net up the front and a slide down the back. You leave the bike, do the obstacle, start running. Meanwhile, your partner runs the same obstacle, does mm-hmm. the obstacle, grabs the bike, rides by you, and you leapfrog back and H- forth. How long do they go for? What kind of distance? It's, it's about six miles. Great. So. The average teams go about an hour and five minutes. The fast teams are 40 minutes. The slower teams are an hour and 25 minutes. And the idea is that anybody can do it because you're running three miles and riding three miles, one mile each at a time. So there's people who are going to be doing Ironman five years from now whose first time putting a race number on is going to be Muddy Buddy. And that's the type of vision that I I have for these folks is, and and what I try to make clear to them from the very beginning I had a guy come up to me at one of the Muddy Buddies last year, and I'm in my frog outfit. And the guy comes up and goes, dude, I got to the inflatable, and there was a guy in front of me, and I had to wait for a couple seconds. I might have placed in my division. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm in a frog outfit. Okay? The last time I checked, we're not on the Olympic program. All right? You want a medal? I got one in my pocket. He's like, oh, no, no, but the beer garden's over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's understanding that this isn't life and death. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. It's it's our playground, and I look at what we do and what you guys do. We're you now I look at us as we're America's PE program, right? Because mm-hmm. because of childhood obesity, the programs have all been cut back, and it's there's more impetus on our events, rock and roll marathon, and Ironman, and Iron Kids to 
set the right example so the whole family can come out. At my Muddy Buddy, I've got Mini Muddy Buddy for kids from four years old on up. Seeing those four-year-olds go through the mud pit and get mm. a little frog metal and the fact their parents are with them doing it, yeah. the whole family unit now is understanding that this isn't drudgery. This isn't training. It's fun. Mm. And at the end of the day, if it's not fun, we ain't going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Ironman can be a lot of fun. It can be a lot of pain when you're out there as it well. It certainly can. That's why we're sitting here. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. why we're listening we've and we're talking. We've got to the talking. other side. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, for, for Kona, I mean, um, we've, only, we've both raced here. This is yep. only our second time broadcasting from here. But, geez, there's a lot of excitement, you know. And oh. is it the same for you every year? Every year. It's, it's the coolest thing of coming here is the course is this. I love the fact that the course is the course. You know, you walk out to that pier, it could be 1980, it could, or 1981, it could be 2011. It's the same vibe, you know, down at Digme Beach and people are all, you know, looking at each other going, who's fit, who's not fit. And you can just see who's, who's, who is so ready to race and who's here just for a good time. And that's what I love about it is you just, every single year, it's an adventure. And the thing that connects the pros to the age groupers best here is in an Olympic distance race, the pros know they're going to go fast. The age groupers know they're going to go slower, but everybody knows they're going to finish. No one knows here. Mm-hmm. Chrissy Wellington didn't make the starting line last year. She's probably the best endurance athlete in the world. Mm-hmm. And she's just hoping to get to the starting line tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then other athletes, I and mean, Pauli Kiru was one of the legends of the sport, mm-hmm. dropped out of this race, walked, and didn't drop out, walked the last 15 miles in a marathon. Chris McCormick's dropped out here a couple times. This is a humbling day. And it's again, goes back to what you learn from this race is to break anything you do up into little pieces. You know, mentally, when you have a, a desk co- covered with work to do, if you look at it, you'll look at it for five hours. Well, if you break it up and go, okay, I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do this and this. Well, here it's, okay, I'm halfway to the swim turnaround. You know, rather than, oh, my God, I've got, I'm half, I'm, 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 I'm a 15 minutes out into the swim, and I'm going to be out here for another freaking 12 hours. It, you, it's the mental side that you learn that transfers over to everything you do. So that's what I love about what the Ironman is. It's the same for all of us. Over the years, you know, there's the obvious names, the big names like Mark Allen and mm. Dave Scott and, and the makers of the world, but I'm curious to see which athletes you have a lot of respect for that maybe aren't the names that traditionally yeah. come up. Well, for us, obviously, Jim McLaren is the, the name at the top of the list. Mainly so I, I don't know. Jim, tell, Jim McLaren, was, uh, he was a 300-pound football player in the United States in, in college at, uh, at Yale. And he, in 1985, he was um, on his motorcycle in New York and was hit by a bus, thrown 90 feet in the air, dead on arrival, lived but lost his lower leg. We reinvented himself and went 316 for the marathon as a lower leg amputee and went 1042 here in Kona. And what Jimmy talked about back then was, hey, it's great that I'm an amputee and I finished a race, but I'm most proud of is I kicked a lot of able-bodied ass and I went and was in top 20% of everybody in the race. Well, flash ahead eight years and meanwhile, the United States Triathlon Series had started and he's competing in that and he's sponsored by Bud Light and Profile by Design. And... uh, Eight years later, he's on his bike in a race in Orange County, California, and a van goes through a closed intersection, hits the back of his bike, propels him into pole, and becomes a quadriplegic, a guy who's already an amputee. Well, Jimmy, you know, going through it again and trying to get as a quadriplegic, he's obviously not racing anything again, but just watching what he went through, and that's when we started our Challenge Athletes Foundation to help Jimmy buy a vehicle that he could drive with his hands, give him some semblance of independence. Well, what that led to was the creation of our Challenge Athletes Foundation because a couple of other gals who were amputees came up to us and said, Jimmy was our hero. 
This was a half Ironman we created as a fundraiser for Jimmy. These gals came up and go, Jimmy was our hero. And the, the problem with our, with our system is if I need a walking around leg, I'll get a walking around leg. But if I need anything for sport, it's considered a luxury item. And the, my insurance doesn't cover it. So there's so many people who couldn't be involved, who couldn't come play. So we started Challenge Athletes Foundation, and since then we've raised $31 million to buy prosthetics, wheelchairs, and hand circles. And that came from Jim McLaren. And what I'm most proud of is this $31 million primarily came from the sport of triathlon, this little dinky sport that when I first started the magazine, other magazine guy says, yeah, that'll be gone. It's a fad. It'll be gone in five years. I'm like, no, what's great about this sport touches lives in a way no other sport does. You know, because you're, you know, for our hyperactive people, yeah. what I always tell people is they're like, oh, I could never do that because I'm too hyperactive. I said, no, no, it's a perfect for you because you start the race and you get in the water and you're going, I love this. This is great. I'm really bored. Uh, <laughs> when do I get out of the water? You're out of the water. And then you get on the bike and the same thing. The bike is great. I love it. My butt really hurts. My neck is really sore. I'm done. Mm. You know, I'm running. This is great. My legs feel okay. I'm really running fast. I'm passing people. I'm really hating this. My <laughs> legs feel like concrete. I'm done. So it's, it's that hyperactive type of person who's perfect for our sport. And, you know, and people get bored doing other stuff. You just run, you just swim, you just bike, and you put these things together. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's just the greatest thing there is. We had uh, Scott Rigsby on yesterday, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing him race. He's got these new legs, and he's yes. quite excited about it. Well, and the technology <laughs> has all come from our sport. Yeah. We have our San Diego Triathlon Challenge, which is coming up October 23rd, the event we started for Jimmy. Yeah. And we'll have 125 challenged athletes there. And the cool part is a lot of these people are living in small little towns, and they're the only amputee or the only wheelchair person in their town. Who do they talk to about learning? So they come to this event, and there's all these doctors, all these prosthetists, all these athletes who they can mentor and share stories with. And the doc, the prosthetists learn from each other. Like Scott Rigsby's guy will be there, mm-hmm. and he'll meet our guy, guys for other athletes, and they'll go, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Like Rudy Garcia Tolson, who you guys yeah. have seen for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rudy was six years old when, you know, he, at five he had his legs amputated because he was born with his birth defect. He had both mm-hmm. legs cut off and had, you know, his mom was calling the prosthetist saying, so when's Rudy going to run? And he's like, lady, he's on stilts. He's, he's, maybe he'll use a walker, but most likely he'll be in his wheelchair for the rest of his life. So Rudy's prosthetist, Michael Davidson, is still his prosthetist. Rudy's 22 years old now. And he tells me that back then, he walked into the waiting room to tell the mom and this young kid, Rudy, like, listen, you're never going to wa- run, you're never going to walk. As I walk out there, and Rudy's doing a handstand on the walker. And he goes, if this kid wants to run, I better figure it out. And so they collaborated and Rudy broke in the meanwhile this is a family from a you know a 600 square foot trailer with you know five kids living there and Rudy slept on the floor of a, you know a guest he didn't have anything dad was a cook at a truck stop so here's this family and the mom is sending notes to all these high-end prosthetic companies and next thing you know Michael Davidson is designing different legs for Rudy and Rudy's breaking them all because he's a kid he's climbing he's jumping and and then next thing you know, he's running and swimming and riding a bike. And he finished Ironman in 1605. Yeah. And the coolest thing for me was he missed the cutoff time here, yeah. right? We were here that you were Yeah, mm-hmm. by about 15 minutes. Yeah. Missed the cutoff time and calls me a couple days later. He's like, dude, uh, I got to get back on a horse. You find me a race. And so we <laughs> Arizona, six weeks later. Mm-hmm. And I sent him up to work with Muddy Waters, who's this great coach up in the Bay Area. Works with Rudy. 
and they go down. We go to Arizona, and Rudy's you know, got no legs. And so as we're heading down to the swim start, what you sort of forget is a lot of these other Ironman races, probably about 70% are newbies. This is their first ever Ironman. Yeah. It's cold. It's early morning in November in Phoenix, out in the desert. And these people are scared crapless. They're about to jump in the really cold water, right? And jump in the really cold water. They have no idea if they can do this thing. And here's this kid who's like starts walking from the back of the crowd through the crowd. And the seas part like the Red Sea. Mm. And you could hear people going, it's Rudy, it's Rudy. And they all started like, Rudy, Rudy, yeah. Rudy. And it was cool for Rudy, but I think it also took the edge off for yeah, all these people. Because they're like, you know everybody's thinking, if this kid can do it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. what the hell am I worried about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was, it was really special for Rudy to be able to finish the Ironman. And now, the kid, he called me up and goes, hey, I'm, I think I'm going to go to a track meet. You know, he's training at the Olympic Training Center for London for swimming. I'm going to go to a track meet and uh, see how I can do. So he runs 14 seconds for the 100, goes 27-7 for the 200. He goes 60 seconds for the quarter and runs 522 for 1,500. Wow. As a double above knee amputee. You know, yeah. Try that with no legs at home. Yeah, yes. And he makes the national championship team in, uh, in running to go along with the fact he's won two gold medals in swimming and he's finished the Ironman. Yeah. And this is a kid who, would have, who was told that you will never run, you will never walk, and the thing that we learned from that is over the years when Rudy's been on Oprah or she's been with he's been with Robin Williams other parents of kids who are in Nebraska and South Dakota places you guys have never heard of uh, <laughs> is it in America? It's yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, I, think it's a, I think it's in New South Wales yeah. those parents take this video of Rudy running and they take it to their process to say hey I, if, if yeah. Rudy can do this why can't my kid Jake do this why is he in a wheelchair? So they call us, and we get Rudy there, and the next thing you know, we're giving those kids legs, and they've got a new life. And one of the things, this kid Jake Frank, we brought him out, same exact thing, double above knee amputee, came to San Diego, and we gave him a set of legs. And his dad is watching his son play tag now on the lawn with Robin Williams, right? And... For the first five years of his kid's life, six years of his kid's life, he was in a wheelchair. And the things you do as a father and son, playing catch, playing tag, it's out of the question. Couldn't really do it. Now he's watching his son playing tag with Robin Williams and going, we got a new new part of our life as father and son. And to me, that's... You know that, and all that came, all that emanated out of sport of triathlon. Mm. This weekend we've got a, we've got a pretty awesome race coming up. Uh, what's, what's your, oh yeah, there's a race. Yeah, yeah. we've got some race. Yeah. Then what's, what's your view on the race? What, give us your means and your female kind of. Yeah, your I mean, uh, I, Craig Alexander is my choice for guys. I just when we were out there in Boulder, I don't know if you guys saw the training day feature we did on him on uh, triathlete. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, he rode 112 that day with, and then uh, had a 25 mile climb up there to um, to Estes Park, and. Even though, I mean, he was a little upset with me year, last year when Craig when I interviewed McCormick, and McCormick was saying, hey, Craig's weakness is on the bike. Yeah. And basically what he was trying to say, and only the way Macca can, was <laughs> he's front-of-the-pack swimmer, he's, he's, a, he's the best runner in the sport, but if he has an Achilles heel at all, it's the fact that he's not strong enough between Kauai High and Kauai High when the winds get howling, if, that if you put pressure on him there and get a gap, then you could possibly beat him. Because if you come off of the bike with him, forget it. Mm-hmm. So those words, I think, are in Craig Alexander's head. And he has spent this summer, besides being the best runner there is, 
working really hard on the bike. So we saw it that day because he did the last, he did that 25-mile climb in big gear mm-hmm. going up to Essie's Park, and then he and Marinda broke off and did this workout called The Box, the last 25 miles of the ride, where they, uh, they time-trialed. He gave her a five- or six-minute head start, and it was a two-lap deal, and he's going 31, 32 miles an hour, and Marini's going really well, too. Then they ride over to this dirt road. There's like a one-mile dirt road, and Siri Lindley is there setting up transition. I mean, we're talking regular transition. Now it's about 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. You're up at, 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 one, at a mile. You're up in Boulder, Colorado, up at altitude. And Crowey proceeded to run 10 one-mile repeats, leaving every seven minutes, going between 520 and 540, with the last one on 516. Mm-hmm. He's ready. Mm-hmm. And what he did in Vegas, you saw how well he rode the bike, despite a flat. He was only a couple minutes back at Chris Lieto off the bike. Oh, David flat. Yeah. yeah, and then he ran 111. Yeah. On a tough, tough course. So I, I like, I actually, I like the, you know, it's not going out on a limb to say Andreas Rayler who took third and second here and Marino von Honacker who just ran 239 and yeah. went 745 and is uh, in amazing shape. The one thing we don't know, and it always happens, if last year I, I would have said, hey, Chrissy Wellington, but you don't know what's going on inside. Are mm. they sick? Are they injured? I know Chrissy has her crash, and I know she's been doing a lot of therapy this week. Um, I think she's ready. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Marinda, if Marinda um, is with, uh, within a few minutes off the bike, um, you never know how Chrissy's body reacts to being on the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chrissy, with her 244 in Roth, is obviously an, a phenomenal yeah. runner. But how much has she been compromised because of that accident? And she's never had to go head to head. She's never had to get off the bike with somebody. And yeah. you can crack. Also, does she, because she's healthy on the bike... Does she go too hard on the bike and yeah. blow herself up? I mean, there's the thing is you got to race the race. Yeah. It's one is getting to the starting line. Two, we you know you always find out. I mean, Julie Dibbins has had foot chronic foot issues, mm. so she'll be up there. But I don't see her running with any with those guys with mm. Marinda or Chrissy. Cat Morrison from Scotland is somebody who does well in the heat. She's won in St. Croix. Yeah. She won down in Texas. The last two years, I don't think have been indicative of the type of talent she has because she's been sick. Mm-hmm. And you never know that ahead of time. Nobody says, you know, I'm really sick. I'm going to have a crappy day. Yeah. No, I'm ready. I'm going to go rock and roll. The, the guy who I think is, is interesting is, you know, Rasmus Henning is always comes across as, you know, very calculating and very controlled. And last year, he just melted down, mm-hmm. right? You saw him he, he got blocked at the beginning of the swim by the surfboards, and so he, he was panicking and swimming, and he came out, and he like, couldn't figure out where his bike He just seemed like he was totally discombobulated all day long. Mm. But there's, there's so many guys. I mean, you're going to have some guy who finished 12th last year who comes all the way up. Mm. Pete Jacobs ran 241, yeah. Yeah. and I don't know how well he's riding the bike, but mm. you, I always look at people who've run sub-250. Mm. Anytime someone rub, runs to sub-250, it gives them a confidence level that they've never had before. You look at Maka when he ran, uh, when he ran 2:49 mm-hmm. uh, and finished uh, finished sixth Six, yeah. for the first time, and the first time he actually finished a race racing, that gave him a confidence level. And Peter Reed even talked about it, seeing him after the race standing in the bay. He goes, "Uh oh, the light bulb's on. Maka knows mm-hmm. how to win this race now." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's always that. If I can run under 250, I am there. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think with Crowe, like we were talking to Crowe yesterday, and, and you get the feeling with him that with last year's situation, it, it's almost like because he's such the favourite, it's his disadvantage because mm-hmm. like he's telling how like the guy's got away, but no one in his group was willing to work. He's wearing number one, baby. Yeah, That's yeah. His job. And, and everyone's so afraid of his run. They're Absolutely. like, well, Crowe, why, why should I pull Crowe long? Exactly. But then they lose their own race because they're letting the rest of them get away. Right. Do you think that could be an issue again this year if we do get you know six or seven guys off, off, off the swim in front of them? Yeah, I think the key is going to be, one, how the wind's howling. I mean, you talk to Chris Lee. It's like, dude, give me a Holland win, <laughs> exactly. and I'll put 15 minutes on these guys, and then let them come catch me. Because I still feel, no matter how fast Lieto rides, um, that comes down to can he run 255? Yeah, mm-hmm. can he run at 255 with a 10 minute lead or a 12 minute lead and force somebody, force Crowley to run 243? Yeah, that's a different gig. Having to run 240 or 241. I mean, like Crowley ran 241 last year, chasing, 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 but he's too far back. And there's a point where you. You know, you just can't catch them. Yeah, you, so that that's what's going to be interesting with, with those guys is Lieto is in a phenomenal place right now. I mean, the fact that he's he sort of reevaluated, I think, his, his the way he approached the sport. I think he was you can this sport is consuming mm-hmm. so much of your time, and when he moved here and spent seven months here and involved his family in everything, and now he's got uh, more than sport, so he's got a charity component as well. I think sometimes that takes the edge off. Mm. It takes the edge off and allows you to just get out there and race. And he ran 118 in Vegas. Mm. Even though Rory ran 111, 118 mm. for a guy who's a little bigger in, those, mm. in his quads had to have gotten beaten up mm. because there was you know, a two-mile mile downhill three times. Mm. He's not the runner. The Crow is. But 118 is still pretty mm. darn impressive. Mm. 118 should transfer to a 255, yeah. mm. I would hope. I think if, if Lieto can run a 255, it's going to be very interesting. Well, that's what uh, Norman Sadler used to run, about 255 yeah, Exactly. Mm. And the years he ran sub-3, he won. Mm. Yeah. And he'd get a big lead, and everybody's like, well, he'll come back. Ferris. Mm. You know, yeah. Ferris didn't have to run that fast to win. They could mm. run in the 250s and win the race. Yeah. So, you know, Lieto was, again, off the bike first last year, but, you know, he ran, what, 306 or something oh, like yeah. that? Yeah. Well, then... So your, your plan for the day, are we going to see you up on the, the live coverage again this year? No, actually, I'm not doing any of the live coverage. Uh, no, Welchie you know Huddle. I know, uh, oh. uh, Huddle's, Huddle's back home. interviewed him last Now, week. you know, what you have to give a shout-out to, shout out to Huddle on is we, uh, we play speed golf. We run and play golf. Oh, do you? Oh, nice. yeah. Actually, yeah. I actually have these golf bags that we designed. Design with spikes on the bottom. And, <laughs> yeah, we, can, we have to tee off with headlamps. Well, she plays with us, too. Yeah, yeah. But Heddle got a hole-in-one two weeks ago. Oh, nice while, we're playing, while we're running. Oh, well, that's, a, that's, that's yeah. a big up. That's a big up. It's it really fun. It's really so good So what will time. you be doing tomorrow, then? I'm just going to wander around. It's just going to be the first time. I'm just going to wander around aimlessly looking yeah. for looking for stuff. And I, I try to you know find some different stories to tell at the awards banquet, and there's you know there's only... 1800 of them yeah. so there's there's always good things yeah. going on out there so it's and we've got from our Challenge Athletes Foundation we got this young man Andre uh, Kylik who's an amazing story who yeah. lost both legs he doesn't know how he was it is in Prague and after a late night out, I'm sure you New Zealand guys never go no, out partying or no, no, it's not. No, yeah, no. it's part of it. Was not fitness professional. You know? he, he ended up on railroad tracks. Uh, he was going to the subway oh, station man. and he doesn't know how. Three weeks later, woke up one leg, uh, uh, a all the way to the hip and the other leg halfway yeah. and just got into the sport of triathlon seriously last October came to our San Diego Tri Challenge heard about it from a friend just did the swim and the 10 mile little wheelchair race mm-hmm. and then did his first triathlon in May in, uh, up in the northwest and Olympic distance and he qualified for our national championships in New York at his first ever triathlon mm. then he went to Lubbock and qualified for Kona in June 
Then in August, he goes to New York and takes second there. That qualifies him for the world championships in Beijing, and he took silver there. Nice. And now this is his fifth ever triathlon wow. on Saturday. Uh-huh. And so he's gone from, you know, here's a guy who didn't really know he could be, he was a football player, stuff like that when yeah. he was young, but didn't know he could be an athlete again. And now he's riding high. And so he'll be out there tomorrow. Rigsby will be out there tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you'll be out there screaming them along. I'll mm. be out there just, uh, just my favorite part of this race is, I don't know if you guys ever I go out there at about 10 o'clock on the mm. lava field. Mm. And just walk with people. Mm. Just, you just, just get a sense of you know the the strug- people are in this cocoon of darkness, and their dreams are out there at midnight, mm. and they've got to get there. And they're all they are. They're with themselves. They're by themselves with their thoughts. And I, I love getting on the course and just walking with people, not giving anybody aid or anything like that, mm. but just walking and adopting somebody and talking to them and just, uh, just hopefully encouraging them to understand well they they know how important that is to get to that finish line but you know a lot of times when you're you can get to that what's the use stage well i'm why even bother i'm the time is telling me i can't do it and nobody's good at math when they're racing anyway so it's it's keeping people understanding that yes you can still make it and then seeing when they do make it it's uh it's pretty cool We love the stuff you do, and we love the one of the yeah. things we want to do is, is help create a little bit of history. So we've got some um, when, when, you know, by interviewing guys like Dave Scott and yourself, people know what it what it used to be like and where we've come from, and you do a fantastic job yeah, with that. And I think so. the other thing as well is, is the impression I get from you, Bob. Not that I know you that well, is that you've chosen you, you understand you have influence and you've chosen to make good of that in the world. And I think that's something that's oh, really respectful. Like it's, uh, you know what this is uh, our sport is. It always used to bother me. People, oh, well, there's this golf tournament, and these guys raise $100,000. Yeah, we raised $31 million for this yeah. little dinky sport. Yeah. And you would, if I listed off the name of our top athletes, you wouldn't know any of them. Yeah. Right? So understand that, that this sport is more special than yours. And it's, seriously, it's, 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 it's the best sport there is because of the variety and the fact that anybody can do it. And you're in a wheelchair or if you're missing a limb, it doesn't matter. Anybody, everybody's welcome. We have the biggest welcome mat. Mm. Great week, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. We love you. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. We'll see you tonight as well, actually. Brilliant, John. We were at the uh, specialised tent. It's more than a tent, really. It's kind of a. What is it? What do you call it? It's like a container. It's a container ship. Yeah. It's a container ship. Container, not a container ship. Pretty big container. And we were looking at the ship. and New ship. The ship pro. They've got a few different lines like they always do. But this is the Ship Pro, which has the water coming out the top back. Have a look at it, John. What do you think? Well, it's not, it doesn't quite match the Avanti uh, Chrono, but it's uh, probably do the job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get an objective opinion. So what they have here is they've got the bit where you put the water in, and I'm thinking you must be able to take that out as well. So you can take the bladder out um, after you ride, and... Yeah, that was a cruncher for us because we were, we were discussing yesterday. Um, you know, obviously, if you put sports drink into any sort of bladder, it's going to get dirty, mouldy, um, going to be pretty manky after a pretty brief time. So it does look like you can pull that out. And uh, I'm curious if, if you'd end up using that much in training for just a bit of a race day thing. This is true because you, you, they do have one bottle of yeah. tapes down there on the bottom, and you'd want that because you want to have your you want to have your sports drink in one and then maybe your water in the other. So I guess you probably put a little uh, clamp behind your seat and have some uh, just drink bottles of training. Yeah, just use it for racing. It certainly looks um, different, you know. When you, when you think of the, the P4 and the P3 and all those ones, it's sort of along those lines, but that, um, that, those tubes are just, they're, they're gigantic. 
I don't know what Rangers watch because they've got the Pro and they're right next to you've got the Comp as well. So I'm curious, you like Comp to be better than the Pro? Or? It's hard to know, isn't it? I'm sure they're modelling is pretty clean once you go to your website. But anyway, it's good to try something new. Okay, John, well, you're doing the intro. You know, so I don't need to learn it, but what's the story here, mate? So we've got the guys from tra- the founders from Training Peaks here. We've got Gear, Dirk Friel and Joe Friel here. Um, just to talk a little bit about training. Legends of the sport. Legends of the sport. Yeah. Uh, the training bible, the cycling bible. Uh, a lot of you guys will have seen that. So welcome along to the show, guys. You say hello. Thank you very much. Dirk, you're pushing it. Who you want me to put the mic to? Okay, we'll go with um, Dirk. Uh, maybe just tell us about how... Training Peaks sort of came about because obviously we had uh, we had the the Training Bible, the Cycling Bible, which we, which a lot of people use, and um, and then we're familiar with Hunter Allen and the stuff he's done. But maybe tell us about how this all sort of came about. Really, it was 1999, and Joe and I were coaching, and we were using the fax machine and emailed coach people, and it was just not efficient at all with all the data all over the place, with getting different all types of different file types, and I just needed a web-based system, so. You know, I talked to Joe, and we decided let's try and figure something out, create our own software, and we know barely anything about software, so <laughs> luckily, Gear was the best man at my wedding, and he was a programmer and knew the guy really, really well, and went and kind of pitched him the idea over a beer in Vail, Colorado, and took it on. He had a real job at the time, so we took it on at night, and... In early 2000, we were up and running and coaching 30 clients with it. You know, when you, when you as, a, as an athlete, there's so many different components that comes to you know analysis with. Well, for you, Gear, when you, they came to you and you said, you know, we're going to do this thing, was it a bit of a mind-blowing kind of job in your mind? Yeah, it was really cool for me. Um, I was a consultant in the web business, and uh, the web was that was still in early days. And so I think my contribution was instead of just writing you know some software for Joe and Dirk's company, maybe we could open it up and have, you know, the whole world use it and the whole world follow along with Joe's, you know, training Bible series of books. And that was uh, kind of the genesis and we, we opened it up to everybody, not just uh, Joe's coaching company. And that, uh, even to this day, you know, here's a couple of guys from New Zealand interviewing us. It blows me away yeah. that uh, people around the world are using our, our tools. You're very lucky you called us from New Zealand there. Yeah. <laughs> safe move. And Joe, for you, you know, um, you, you've been around coaching for a long time. I mean, um, I, I guess one thing that stuck in my mind yesterday when I was just interviewing, um, we were talking to Marino Van Holnack, who got third, second third last year. Um, and really saying to me that I asked him the question, you know, when you're on the bike and you want to try to get away, um, how hard are you actually going? And he said that he was all in, you know. He said, I said, yeah, but what does that mean as a percentage of FTP and etc.? How hard are you going? He says, I'm, I'm going as hard as I can for an hour. So it must be interesting for you from a coaching perspective, um, maybe dealing with some of the higher end athletes, that Ironman has developed so much because you, for, for a lot of people it's out there, you're just doing a nice steady work, steady race, you know, you sit at a nice steady pace, but for the pros, these days, it's it's a different ball game out there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It certainly is a different ball game from what the uh, what the age groupers do. Uh, the pros are starting out riding at about FTP, which is way up there. I mean, they're they're riding hard out of town and going north for a long ways. They're still at FTP, and that, that that's going to take them close to an hour at FTP. Mm. Then they begin to slow down because fatigue begins to set in. And who slows down the most is the issue. They're trying to get rid of people. And that'll happen. It happens every year, and that'll happen again tomorrow. There'll be, um, in fact, I'm already aware of a couple of guys saying they're going to go out real hard. And they'll be maybe going, on, going above FTP for some period of time, you know, on climbs and on the hills going out of town. 
and later on they'll slow down. The question is who's going to slow down the most? Age groupers don't want to race that way. Age groupers are willing to kind of keep an even pace all the way through, and they'll be much better off because of that. The pros have got a different race going on than the age groupers have. It's actually an entirely different kind of race altogether. Mm. Um, what, what about the... I've got, something, I've got something formulating in my head here. Okay, I'll go to my question, then you can formulate yes. your question. I'm curious, you know, you guys have both been coaches for a long time now. Technology is really advancing the sport and the, the feedback we can get for as a coach and as athletes. How has that changed for you guys in the way that you coach and have an understanding around athletes and the way you coach them? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of see the world as my dad has taught me. Like, you can see the world, like, 3D now, you know, especially on the bike with power. You know, if you only have heart rate and speed, it's just seeing the world two-dimensionally. But now that we're, we're able to collect the data from the power meters, we can really get a true sense of what's going on in training and on race day. So, it's it you know, the athlete doesn't have to know the ins and outs of their power, power files. And we're not asking the athlete to analyze the data every single day. That's what we're for. So if I can get my hands on that data and make it a simple as possible to the elementary level professional you know athlete um i just need to get my hands on that data and then you can really it's it's more about piecing it together and seeing the trends over time that's the bigger value than analyzing every single ride it's more about seeing the trends over time and which direction are we headed and how does that compare to last year or three years ago you know once you enter year two with a complete data set it becomes infinitely more uh, powerful mm-hmm. to be able to now compare and contrast to what worked last year, what didn't work last year, and now let's try and figure out a different formula this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got my uh, my first heart rate monitor in 1982, and I thought it was just amazing. Yeah, uh, I wore it all the time, brushing my teeth, eating dinner, <laughs> just trying to figure out what all this thing told me. And uh, it took about it took about five years to figure it out. Really, know what I was doing with the heart rate monitor. Got my first power meter in 1994. Really? I'm still trying to figure it out. It's, it's a never-ending process with power. Power is much more robust than heart rate is. Heart rate is good information. Power is amazing information to have. Having both of them is is stuff I could never even imagine when I first started doing this mm. you know, 30 years ago. Could not imagine what we're doing now. And, and it's only going to get better. The stuff that... Uh, the guys, you know, are coming up with the turning peaks uh, for software and analysis is just unbelievable stuff. And it's, it's, I don't see any end in sight. It's going to continue to be more and more powerful all the time for athletes who are keeping up with technology. What's the benefit for the athlete and coach relationship? Communication. I mean, if you, you know, most pro athletes you'll find, if you talk to pro athletes, they really don't care about numbers. Mm. They don't want to talk about the heart rate or power, all that stuff. They just want to go race. Uh, they're what I call artist athletes. They just want to, like a Michelangelo, you wouldn't ask a Michelangelo to paint by numbers. They do it by feel. That's what they're doing out there is doing it by feel. Most athletes don't have that ability. Most athletes really are, are better off watching their numbers. But when you're talking to an athlete who's an artist athlete, the only way you can tell what's going on with that athlete is to look at numbers off their handlebars. Otherwise, you're talking to them, they will just tell you how it felt. And how things feel is very, very um, subjective, and it's not very well defined, and it's kind of loosey-goosey. And so this way, when I'm talking to an athlete now, I know exactly what they did. I can tell them when they're tired now. Used to be, I had to ask them, when are, are you tired? Now I tell them how tired they are. Yeah. You know, that's the sort of stuff that's going on now. It's just become, communication with the athlete is becoming really robust. Yeah. I think one of the things we're hearing here is obviously 
you guys are getting more information, the athletes are getting more information, so you're able to maybe structure the program better, they're able to pace themselves better. But what about your coaching philosophy? Has that changed a lot over the years? Because we have, we've got lots of different things going on now. You know, we've, we've interviewed Brett Sutton, had the Brett Sutton approach. Um, we've talked to a guy, Matt Dixon, yesterday, quite a different approach that he's taken. Um, you've got lots of different coaches out there now. Um, obviously, the way you prescribe things um, may have changed a little bit in the programming and the pacing, but has, has your general philosophy changed very much over the years? No, methodology has changed a lot. Um, philosophy hasn't changed at all, really. I'm still philosophically doing the same things I did back then, only now it just means I'm doing the different tools and, and the methods I go about. Um, training athletes have changed, uh, but the philosophy has stayed the same. With the, with the advances, I just forget, with the advances in technology coming along so much, how much behind the scenes work are you guys always doing to make sure that the, because I imagine, it's like technology, you know, the laws of technology advances every two years and all that kind of stuff. I imagine for you to keep up to date with what's happening, it's, it's a pretty ongoing process. It's uh, without a doubt the number one thing our you know, technical side of our company does. The uh, 10 developers that we have on staff right now, um, I'd say 90% of their work is all in things that nobody ever sees. It's the scalability and the computational power of what we're doing. And uh, for 2012, I've kind of called it the, the year that we're going to do um, more artificial intelligence, if you will. Uh, doing more with the data. We can tell so much about an athlete, but we haven't really revealed uh, some of those capabilities to coaches. And with our platform, you know, it, it, its genesis came from Joe, but you know, coaches all over the world use it and use their methodologies um, using the tool. And we want to empower them um, with more statistical capabilities, analytical capabilities, and do it so that it's not hard, so that they're just made aware. And the athletes who, who use the system uh, can learn more about themselves, and the system can help them understand when they're tired, along with working with their coach, etc. So that is a huge challenge uh, for any technical development team. I mean, everything we do, we, we look at it about a two to three year uh, life cycle. Uh, just with the change in technology over the years, it all gets pretty much thrown away after two or three years. You got to redo it again in order to stay on top. Uh, Good times. Predictions for the weekend, guys. We're going to Joe first. Everyone's pointing to Joe. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I've discovered is you really can't predict this race. Yeah. Uh, there's obviously people who you can really kind of pick as being the favorites, uh, Chrissy Wellington and Dan Croy, Craig Alexander. But gosh, when it comes down to it, it's so many things that happen on the race today about how they feel and if they have flat tires and all the possibilities. The race that lasts that long, there's just too many variables to actually feel comfortable with anybody that you may pick. Okay, let's, let's see if everyone else wanting to answer. I'm getting a no. What? <laughs> Are you going to need predictions? No, I, there's always some surprises out there. It's cool to see guys come out of the woodwork and just have a... I love seeing the top ten, you know, and guys that hit their first top ten. So yeah. You know, that's actually really exciting for me to see new names popping up and so many strong Europeans too you know it's just yeah. amazing their culture over there is different than in America and the club structure over there I really love that you know and they produce great athletes so no I'm not going to say any names uh, what about what about you Gia? I predict it will be hot and humid <laughs> <laughs> we're going to just lastly um you've obviously got a pretty global product um, you know tell me about kind of countries and stuff like that gear might have some better data yeah um, you know the states are still our biggest uh, customer base but uh, we're seeing a ton of the global expansion 
Uh, the UK has been huge. We're a team supplier for uh, Team Sky yeah. and the cycling side of things. That's been huge for us. Uh, uh, down in your parts of the world, uh, Australia is the third biggest uh, country. Really? Really? Um, all the all the English speaking uh, countries are very strong, but. Germany's huge. Uh, Germany is our number one non-English speaking country, and obviously yeah, they love it's huge yeah. in triathlon. Yeah. Um, Italy's growing a ton. Even uh, France is, has come along quite a bit. Uh, Netherlands, uh, Belgium. I mean, Europe is a very untapped market for us still, and we're, we're really just getting our, our name out, out there, but lots of opportunity ahead. It sounds like it sounds like you're getting your name out there. Eh? Trainingpeaks.com is the place to go to, and it's a, basically give a give a wrap up, John. What is Training Peaks? So uh, these guys should be wrapping up. Okay, wrap it up. Give me a quick wrap up. Give me the, the, the elevator speech. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're the place to come. You're one source for to monitor, analyze, and plan nutrition and exercise. We're compatible with basically anything downloadable. Ninety different devices, so no excuses. You know, and uh, we have iPhone apps and Android apps and. The one source to monitor, analyze, and plan your training. See, that's how you do it, John. You should be learning, you know? Although it's not your business, I'll let you away with that. Trainingpeaks.com, guys. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. Great. One thing that happens on the Friday is that people will pretty much go and put their bikes in, and like any IMM race for everyone listening out there, before the races where you're doing those double checks of your list to make sure you've packed everything and you haven't forgotten anything for your race, so you're checking nutrition. And then once you put your bike in, you're free to get a chance just to relax in the afternoon. Can you remember what it's like to do that, John? Can you remember those days? I can, but I remember the, the challenge you got here. It's, it's, there's a big queue there, and uh, if any one man is, it's so damn hot, and I really think today, it's, this feels like the hottest it's been since Yeah, been yeah. So, yes, I can remember those days, but I often used to go on the pro cube, and we just jumped, jumped <laughs> the queue. It was great. It was one advantage. Even if we weren't pros, we just go out there anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so like, it's a kind of nervous tension around now. You know, because this is the last kind of action you take before tomorrow, and so people are kind of walking around and checking their bikes, double checking their bikes, and all the rest of it. But it's got that kind of nice Ironman feel that we always have, so it's good to see people are kind of getting into the race. We saw Joyce going down before, we also saw Chris there, was it? Yes. Yep. So um, it's all starting to happen, team. This time tomorrow, it's going to be about halfway through the race, and it's going to be very exciting. John, we're just walking down the street and see these two legends look like they're about to take off and smack running. They are. They've been good supporters of, your face, of our Facebook page, Iron Mo, and good questions as well. So yeah, plenty of questions. And, and Greg Mo. Greg Mo. There you go. I'm not sure if he relates to Greg Mo. How are you guys going? So you're over here this week just kind of checking out and supporting it. How are you finding it? Oh, it's a great time. Great time. First year was the last year. or Last year was the first year we were here, so it's uh, fantastic to be back. Is it, is it funny coming back the second time? Is it, is it the same process or is it kind of just as exciting? A little different, a little different. We were here earlier in the week. I wish we would have been here earlier this time. Coming back later in the week isn't quite as much fun. Why? You just miss a bit of the feel? Um, you miss the build-up in the beginning. Yep. Uh, middle of the week, the tension's already there. In the beginning, it's a little bit easier to relax. What about you, for you, Greg? What's the highlights kind of for this week? I think for us, the, the big highlight is being here with a lot of people from our community. Uh, oh, we have really? a number of people here from the Woodlands, Texas, that are com- both competing and um, and watching. So we yep. have a lot of friends here. Yep. Uh, we get to hang out, hang out with them in the evening, get to train a little bit with them during the day. Yep. So uh, that's probably the best part for me. We didn't uh, we didn't see either of you at the Wheatsuit Challenge this morning. You did see me just before you jumped off the boat. I told you that uh, yes. Yes, the yes. Texas Rangers said hi. That's right. I, I didn't. I wasn't gone. I didn't hear that. You were probably who long won? gone. Uh, who won? Okay. Do, you, do you want to know who won? Yes. Uh, who won? Have a guess. Who do you think won? Uh, I'm thinking you might have won. What do you think, Maureen? I, I got to go with John. Sorry. Well, Greg, you're the winner. We are both winners today because other people have obviously just been on the it's losing got, side of the equation. It's got an asterisk next to it, though, hasn't it? Why? <laughs> 
Because you don't get sad. Oh, you're a bit of swimmer. <laughs> this is a no-brainer. We did. We did get to experience the start of your uh, race this morning yeah, from so the boat. So that was uh, that was that was the highlight of it. Yes. Next year we expect to see you on the start line. We've, we've actually bought a trophy. We bought a we bought a trophy. Nice. Oh, we'll there's a photo on the website. We'll put a photo on the website tonight. And I'll tell you what, you want to win this year, trophy? It's not it's not no minchet trophy. It's pretty mean. The next year it's going to be handicap starts. So everybody's got a chance. Yep. Just got to put your wetsuit out on the, the coffee boat. See, I don't even know if you guys are planning to come next year, but you are now, aren't you? Oh, we are. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> every year. Hey, what do you guys do on race day? Oh, running around. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Running around, watching, screaming, yelling. Cheering our fans. Cheering the people that we came to watch on and uh, hoping to support them. Did you try to go out in the bike course, or do you kind of flag that section? Uh, we never head further north than the hot corner. Yeah. <laughs> we usually will wait for everybody to get out on the bike and go to Starbucks. Nice. Nice. Doing the important stuff. Lots of coffee. Hey, it was good to get you guys all wet. John? Where are you going running? Uh, down to the energy lab. Do you go into, can you go into it? Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, nice. So you're going to have the Energy Lab experience. Well, you guys have a great run, and we'll see you tomorrow at some stage. Wonderful. Rock on. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, right here, we've got Milton Data, which is a great name, isn't it, John? It's a great name. And he's, he's got a unique um, perspective for us because he does some of the behind-the-scenes mental work um, on race days. So tell us about the welcome show. Tell us, um, tell us what it's like here at um, post-race. Well, you know, during the race... The race here has been here for 30 years, so under the direction of uh, Dr. Bob Laird, who was actually in the uh, parade here as one of the longtime volunteers going through here. Um, during the race itself, the week before, we have a sports medicine conference that brings in sports medicine physicians from around the world. Really? And these are some of the top physicians talking about issues such as hyperthermia, exercise-associated collapse, uh, trauma on the bike, or other things we're going to be looking out for. And during the week, we all stay and we get to participate in the conference itself. Most of the docs who come in, I'd say about 80%, uh, have done Ironman races themselves. And oh, really? so we're all coming on here with a specific interest in doing this. And we'll be sticking around. We both cover the medical camp. Um, so, for example, I'm one of the docs that uh, rides in the medical van and uh, take out with the leaders. We go out first. We follow the leaders out. Usually then we'll stick around at the hobby, turn around, make sure all the age groupers get through safe. You know, that sharp turn at the top there is a source where you can get some guys falling off, getting some road rash, things like that. Um, the winds on hobby, um, we've definitely had things like concussion issues where people have been blown over on the bike. So we'll check them out, make sure they're okay. You know, if they're able to continue, if they're medically safe, we'll let them continue. But if it isn't, then we will give them a ride back into town. Um, obviously, it's a really hard decision when you have an athlete who's trained at this level and who really, this means a lot for them to be here. Um, Last year, I was also covering late into the night in marathon. We had a local uh, lady from Honolulu here who was out here, and she had food poisoning. So she had diarrhea, vomiting, and she made it to the turnaround at the energy lab and just couldn't go any harder. So we had to uh, bring her back in, and it was really hard for her. You know how hard it is. Yeah, how often do you get people who... You know, like, you'll get some people who will just accept that, okay, the day's over. But what do you, how often do you get people who actually just can't accept it and kind of resist you? We try and give the athletes the benefit of the doubt, but medically we're going to be concerned about their long-term health on there. Um, to give you an example, uh, there's a fellow named Bill Roberts, uh, former uh, president of the American College of Sports Medicine. There's a lot of the marathon racing. And he uses an old rule of thumb he jokes around about. He says, if you don't think the athlete is doing well, you grab their bib, rip it off, and run. If they catch you, then they're probably good enough to get you. <laughs> so 
in an essence, we're looking at that. We will talk to the athletes about whether they feel comfortable continuing. And especially in the later times in the races, don't be surprised. You may not see us in the shadows, but oftentimes with some of the later athletes who are having trouble, we're actually walking next to them during the race, ready to grab them, ready to help them at a second's notice if they need it. But if they feel that they can make forward progress, if they're coherent and talking with us, we will try and give them every benefit we can. This race means a lot to everybody involved. And you don't want to pull someone who isn't going to really have a serious long-term recovery. Yeah. What about um, in the, the, the area behind the finish line? Um, have you been there before and it must be absolute carnage? It depends on the year. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting question for you. What do you think brings the most people into the medical camp? What condition? Well, weather conditions? Everybody. Oh, what weather conditions? Um, I'll probably it wouldn't even win because they wouldn't think they're sweating as much because everyone, everyone plans for the heat so I'm assuming yeah exactly and for people docs who come out here to work they often don't realize that the winds are the biggest factor because it takes so much energy out of people and then they start to go down either late on the bike or on the run mm-hmm. and so that's when we see the most visits to the medical camp um, over the years percentages high percentages maybe 20% of really? the racers wound up coming through the tent wow. um, of those many of them do need IV fluids because of the condition they're under up to maybe a third on the worst years. Um, hopefully, you know, less going down, it's a little better, so we don't have to worry. In the water, things that we can see, besides, you know, some things like uh, contusions or things like that when people get hit, um, most of the racers here are ready for that. They know it's going to be like a water polo game, so they expect that. Um, but we also see jellyfish stings. We also see corneal abrasions. So we had a fellow who dropped out on the bike because he literally couldn't see because he had gotten a corneal abrasion after his goggles had been knocked off. So things like this can affect your race too and come in early. Um, I guess we we all know that dehydration is going to slow you down and um, we've been told time and time again it's probably not going to kill you. Um, It's a hypoglycemia that's going to... Do you see that much of this race given it's so hot? I know in other conditions like maybe I'm in New Zealand where it's a bit cooler, it's a real issue, but is that ever an issue here? Hypoglycemia is an issue that we look for. We see it more in the Ironman races compared to, say, some of the marathons that we also work. I think that one of the things that we see a lot of here is the, the more the dehydration, the exercise associated collapse we watch. Hyponatremia does come through, but it's not a common event. We also don't see as much hyperthermia as we might expect. We're ready yeah. for it, we're ready to work on it. Yeah. But in spite of the heat, most people are prepared adequately for that because they know they're going to have to face it. Are you finding over time, you know, we seem to be getting more educated as athletes in general, that that we are better prepared for this race? Like, Or is it pretty much even though you're prepared, you're never going to know until you get here and do it? You know, most of the athletes that are here are like you guys. They're very experienced athletes. They know their body, and they know what they're preparing for. We're going to see a lot more issues coming through on some of the Ironman races, say Wisconsin, where you've got a lot of first-time people coming through, and they're really not prepared for what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. There, even a small change in the weather can cause a dramatic change in what comes to the medical mm-hmm. These races are kind of like some of your long races, like the Leadville Run 100, yeah. things like that, where the people who show up at the door really know what they're doing. Yeah. And they're the most helpful to us because they can actually kind of come in and tell you, I think this is happening, you know, what do you think? Give me your advice. And it becomes more of a discussion together to help come up with the best plan for them. Yeah. We'll be asking questions like, well, when's your next race? What else is in your season? You know, these are the damage that you would do if you continued. Do you really want to continue? Yeah. Just, just lastly, um, at the end of the day, being on the medical team, 
Are you guys pretty by the shed yourself? Well, you know, it is an exhausting day. Yeah. One of the things we've learned is, you know, the tent closes after midnight because we still have people in there. Mm. And walking out here on time, you find out that a lot of the restaurants and the bars have stopped serving food. Yeah, oh, true, yeah. So one of the things we do plan ahead of time is making sure we got some food, you know, pick up some power bars or something and have them in our pocket. Yeah. Because otherwise that becomes a problem. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks for coming on the show, Matt. It's really good to see the medical side of things and what you guys are doing. You're doing great work. Thanks a lot. Uh, that's pretty much the end of the interviews for today. So we've got, uh, sorry again for the background noise, guys. We're trying to keep close to the mic as possible just so you guys don't get too much of it. But um, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. We've got um, Race Day tomorrow, John. And we haven't really talked much about the race to this point between you and I. And I knew we have a bit of a difference in opinion in some areas. So um, I, I think, who picked that last year? Nobody got, you said Matt has got a chance. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I said I didn't really think he had well, much that chance. means I picked it. I, didn't, I, you, I just said last year I didn't have him as one of my winners. I think I picked about five guys. I said I think the, one of these guys is going to win the race, and I didn't have Macker in there, and I didn't think he could win it. Whereas um, I did. But, but you, you said he may have a chance. You said don't write him off. Yeah, that was your words. And I didn't, and he won. You so didn't pick I, him. I though. picked it. You did not I pick him. It. No, I picked it. <laughs> so I don't really have a strong feeling this year, to be honest, in terms of who to pick. You know, basically, I think, like everybody, I've got my three favourites of Crowe, um, Marino, and Andreas, and I'm, I'll put money on one of them bottling out to some degree. Oh, but lying so out? I'd very, be very, very surprised if, if that is one, the top two, three. three. Um, you always get one of the real hot favourites that either has a technical thing or, or something goes on. So I don't think that will be your top three. Um, you know, if I, if I had to go down to the TAB and put money on somebody, I'd probably put it on Crowey, but I really don't feel strongly about that over, over other athletes. Um, I think, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited to see like a lot of people, who are going to be the ones that are going to come through? Because you, you'll have those the usual those guys. They'll be there or thereabouts. But I'm excited to see if guys like Frederick Van Leer can you know really crack into it. I think the guys that are going to really lose out this year a bit are going to be the um, the non-swimmers, the guys like Ronnie Shieldnick, who, who mm. may find themselves even a little bit more isolated than what they've been in the past if they don't have a have a great swim. And um, what was cool for me was listening to Farris um, talk the other night and saying, you know, there's a handful of guys there that the, the, the time is ticking away and if they don't get this title sooner yeah. or later you know, guys he did like really Rasmus. come in that place of oh, I've got no pressure yeah. like you know I'm just here to have fun and I can do that nowadays and, and it was even interesting talking to Norman yesterday when Norman was like he was like I've won it twice you know yeah. like there's, you know, there is a contentness and, and I know the other day at the media conference I'm not sure if we put this question where Corey answered it on the show or not but he was really saying look I'm, I'm just collecting cards now like I've won it twice I've mm. got nothing to prove I'm, I'm just here to you know and I think he was trying to put pressure on those other guys to say well look you know you haven't won it yet you know you mm. need to sharpen up mm. So um, the, I think the, the exciting things for me are what's going to happen out of that swim, if that's going to be a big, big factor in the race or not. And uh, we, we talk about Dave, Scott talked about it and others talked about it, whether we're going to see those fast run times. And I just think they're going to bash each other up so much on the bike that we're probably not going to see an amazing fast run time. But that's just purely just guessing. But well, that's you, the way I feel about things. So it's going to happen in the swim and the bike. I, I, I think I have to go with um, who am I going with, John? <laughs> You've Rader. got to go with yeah. him, though. You've got yeah. to go with him. He's, I've been thinking about him all day. Andreas <laughs> 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 so who I'm going to be going with. And, and, and really, I think 
you know, if you look at the performance of last year, you mm-hmm. know, it was a bloody amazing race, and, and he's got to have learned from that. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get himself in the position to win it. Now, he hasn't mm-hmm. won it yet, but he's, he's got to that moment where a few things, if you can get them turning those around, it's pretty good. His performance this year in uh, Root mm-hmm. was absolutely phenomenal. You know, there was a real breakthrough race, and I think you've got to look at what's been happening this year to really kind of judge people's performances, and I think for him, you know, he, he, he is the guy to be looking out for. I think, you know, Van Hauenacker is obviously the other person as well, and Crowe, I think it's almost like Crow feels he's disadvantaged because of his favourite. You know, like when we talked to him yesterday, it's that whole, you know, uh, other guys aren't riding because they're so afraid of me. Like last year he felt he got trapped in the pack and other people, without knowing it, were kind of riding for Mecca. And so, yeah, I think Crow could have a challenge just because of that. That could be a factor again. Who do you, who would be your pick? Yeah, those three. I think everybody's picking one. Most well, people are picking I, one of those three. I, I, obviously, I don't know. I don't know if those are the three because then you go someone like no. no but if you, they're probably going to. Two of them are probably going to be there. Who would be your pick if it wasn't one of those three? You know, a bit of a dark horse to come through. Well, no. I see. I, I look at someone like Erasmus Henning, and I think, well, Erasmus Henning, he could be one of those three. Like Erasmus Henning, if he, if he pulls off a day, and I know he hasn't had the best time over the last couple of years, but. You know, Henning works for me. I think also, um, I'd love to, and I know everyone's kind of been talking about this, but I'd love to see if Pete Jacobs has got his bike up. We know he's going to be there in a the swim. Mm. If, he can, if he can ride good enough, you know, and come off and do a run like he did last year or if even improve on last year's run, mm-hmm. you know, that guy's a contender nowadays. Um, so if, if, I'm gonna, I don't like, if I was going to pick one other one outside of my top three that may win it, I'd, I'd be tempted to put a little bit of money on Pete Jacobs again if I had to go to the TAB and I had to pick a, yep. one of the non-favourites. It just, just it all depends on the bike. If that boy can yeah. bike this year, yeah. well, you know, it's, it's, yeah. he's got the run, he's got the swim. So there we have it. Um, Chris Leota, what about him? If he can get away, so who's hoping for wins? I really only think his only chance is if it's extremely windy, then he's got a chance. But I think that's that's just my opinion. His only chance is if it's very, very extremely windy. windy, it does give him a pretty big gap on the bike. The question oh, yeah. is then, can he get off the bike and still run? That's yeah. up 255. I mean, that's the thing. It's 255, if can run that, he'll be in. That's what, what Norman normally got, got. Second or third? Or he did about two. Just three hours that year, didn't he? I don't remember. I seem to recall it was closer to three than It wasn't under three anyway, I know yeah, that much. Yeah, it was pretty close to three. Um, yeah, but he's going to need he's gonna need a sizable lead. It's Matty Reid racing. Well, his name's down there. Oh. So I assume so. I so what do you think about him racing? Uh, I don't think he'll be a factor. Okay. Okay, good times. Girl side of things, well, for me, with the girl side of things, Chrissy's the winner. Um, I know everyone's talking down, oh, you know, if she couldn't, you know, last two weeks, and, you know, ideally she wouldn't have crashed two weeks ago. And I think the thing is, people want to keep the race exciting. Mm. And, and so you get a lot of people talking about the race, and they, and they downplay the Chrissy factor to the point because they want this to be an exciting race. Mm. But to me, she's still... 10, 15 minutes ahead of anyone else in the race. Mm. Well, maybe closer to 10 now with Caffrey, you yeah, know, yeah. but you know, still close to her. And I think Miranda's getting closer on that gap, but Chrissy's, Chrissy's a freaking nature. Yeah. I mean, again, if, if you had to go to the TAB, you'd be a fool yeah. not to put money on her. Yep. Um, and Miranda, is, as everybody says, is a clear second favourite. Again, what's exciting for me is to seeing which of these other girls can, can step it up, you know, Kat Morrison. Is it her time? Is it um, Joyce's time? Is she going to step it up? Yeah. She's, she's very consistent. Uh, Leander Cave, you know, a lot of people talk about her stepping it up. So there's, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I think is, some, of the, some of the old guard that's been Is Marinda around, so much better than the rest? Like, is it Chrissy? And we've got Marinda, and then there's a really good race for third. I think I don't know if, if, they, if they race to their potential. I think yes, but she's as we as we discussed when we talked to her, she's been a bit up and down this year. Yep. So I think if she races like she did last year, then she's she is a, a nice little level above the rest. But if she doesn't have her best day, 
She's shown she, you know, she's been beaten at seventy point threes this year, but she seemed just and this is purely going off that Olympic distance result. She seems to be heading in the right direction. Mm. So uh, the, the one thing we haven't seen from Chrissy is that one bad performance, and it has to come eventually. Mm. I don't think it's this year, but you know it may, it may be this year. And I think what we will see is we'll see another surprise person coming up to third. You know, we've seen a few years ago we saw Virginia Brissetagi sort of stepping it up. Um, I think she got fourth again, and um, she, yeah, she just sort of pops Fell around in, in Europe. And um, so I think we'll, uh, my, my pickers will we'll have, uh, we'll have a, a, a bit of a surprise coming up in for, for third place. I reckon. Mm, mm. Any other kind of things you want to talk about for the race tomorrow? No, I, think I imagine most people listening to this will probably listen to it post race because we're kind of releasing it. <laughs> so they'll be like, oh, "You got it wrong, boys." Yeah. But, uh, one thing <laughs> I want to Kelly Williamson won it. <laughs> one of the things I want to do tomorrow is um, is just we've got the I've got the the, the program next to me, the official program, and I want to have a bit of a look through that and do a bit of looking at the past winners and some of their times and stuff. Uh, but we'll maybe do that during t- during the bike league tomorrow when we've got a bit of time to kill. Um, but we have to do our thirty third picks. Oh, um, okay. Well, for girls, I, I'm well, no, we can't go for girls. Because I want to go twenty third for girls. Twenty third for girls. Uh, so this is going to be a thirty third place getter in the male pro division. So you take so out you, the age groupers; it's just the pros. Well, you see, so you've got two strategies here, John. You go for the slower pros, or you go for a faster pro who's going to blow. Mm-hmm. So what are you? What's your strategy? Um, I'm going for Joe Gambles. Why? Oh, that's a bit of a gamble. He is. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's my gamble. <laughs> but he's a very good 70.3 athlete, and uh, and I don't know how much experience he's got at Ironman. So I think he's he's 29 years old. He's from Australia, so he probably doesn't have too many brain cells. So I'm going to. Oh. <laughs> just trying to get better well, you know, aren't you? <laughs> that's right. So I think he's going to go out there, and he's going to be on fire on the swim and the bike, and he's going to be right amongst it, um, going to run, and then he's just the experience is going to catch up with him. But he's going to be a man that's going to come back and kick ass in this race in the future. You really do you think he can be? I think he's, he's a great 70.3 athlete, so at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a fantastic race. But that's what I'm going with. Sorry, Joe. Mm, I don't know. It's really is nasty. Yeah, it's a nasty thing. I don't, I don't even know, because I, I'm going to go, oh, I don't want to do this. You don't like being mean. I'm always no, the one that's got to be mean to athletes no, and nice guy. be harsh. But now, nah. okay, who's ranked fiftieth? <laughs> I'm just going for the week out. I'm going to go Mike. How do you say last name? Ari Gold. Ari Gold, because he's actually ranked 33. Oh no, he's 33 years old. That works for me. Okay. There okay. You go. Yep. That's, that's a safe way of doing it. And then we've got a friend from Triathlete Magazine coming in right now. So, um, and then females. Females 23rd. They're going to be right at the back of the field. I'm going for um, Tasha Badman. Is she racing? No, but her name's down there. Okay, so you've just been weak now as well. Yes. And then I'll say, oh, I'm going to be a as well because I don't want to be mean. <laughs> oh, this, this all came about because of just a, a slip of tongue yeah, or something. Yeah, was, yeah, Maybe we should stop that. It's not very nice picking people that have bad nice. races. No. Well, at least someone was planning to be 50th and they got 33rd. Yes. But most people aren't planning to be 50th, mm. let's be honest. Okay, John, um, anything else we need to tell the crew before we kind of wrap up the show? No, I'll probably put a bit of a Facebook update uh, later on today or you're just sort of saying where, where we're going to be tomorrow. Um, it'd be great to see you guys. If anybody wants a bit of an extreme endurance, I've, I'm usually floating around with a bit of that in my pockets. Sorry, uh, Rolls. He's like a dealer. And dealer we're looking for you. tonight. We're, we're going out. We've got a little bit of a party to go to. <laughs> party, party. Um, which is going to be great. We're not going to go too hard What's out. What's the party called? Um, I think it's like, thank God I'm not racing tomorrow or something like yep. that. It's put on by Bob Babbitt and the, the team at Competitor Group. So that's all good. And uh, it's going to be an early start tomorrow. I think we'll be, uh, we'll be up at 4, I reckon. We'll be down here by 4.30. Good times, good rock times and roll. roll. Okay. If anybody's listening to this who's racing tomorrow, have a wicked time out there. Yeah, it's good luck, guys. An awesome place to be racing and pace your way through we the day. We always forget to thank the listeners when we do the first part of the sponsorship at the beginning of the thank, show. Thank you, listeners. Okay, so first of all, John, who are our sponsors for the show? 
sponsors for the show are Endurance Sport Travel. Rock on. Audio Technica. They rock as well. O2 Creations. OMG, they rock. OMG. And Lava Java. LOL, they rock. L-O-L. And our regular sponsors are? Copies of Wise. And the just, just walked past was yeah, called I Am Talk Jersey on. And uh, who else have we got here? Athlinks.com. Athlinks.com. They rock as well. And Extreme Endurance. It's just rocking the party. That's right. Hey, guys, well, once again, and also the people who have donated to the show. So next time you hear us... You can hear us out. And we're not sure if we're going to release the show tomorrow. Or we're going to re- I think we release the show when they're on the bike. We've got, we got four, and a half, four hours to kill. Well, are you going to release the show? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pressure's on. We'll see how we get on. But otherwise, you'll be hearing us hearing all about the race. And we'll try to not do the Ironman live coverage. We'll try to... Oh, yeah, you guys listened to what we did last year. You know, it's a bit more about what's happening out on the road and stuff like that. So we'll give you you that update and it'll come out tomorrow. But um, thanks to everyone who's been We're giving so many emails and messages from people just saying how they love what we've been doing over the last few days. We really, really appreciate those messages because we do it really hard in here and we're kind of proud of what we've kind of put together. So, and happy um, birthday to uh, Craig. Kirkwood, who's just turned 37. He's a super fast runner, man, isn't he? Yes, and yeah. he, he said, uh, I said, you might be celebrating your birthday somewhere else next year, and he said, I hope so. Oh, nice, with the boys. Yes. Yeah, the boys. Okay, well, well let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Good times.